Welcome to the MRX Influencers Podcast, where you come for the insights, but stay for the good times. I'm Dan Fleetwood, and on this podcast, I chat with the best and brightest minds in the research space. On this episode, I have an interesting conversation with Joe Marks, who is a research manager at FanDuel. We talk about not only market research trends, but also techniques that he uses on a daily basis to help get the insights that he needs. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, how are you feeling? I'm great. It's, you know. Yeah. Today we have a big show, a big show today, Crystal. We have... (sighs) Tell me, I'm excited. Mr. Who's Mr. the special Joe guest? Marks from FanDuel coming on. So, Ooh, that's yeah. exciting. I, I know. know very little about FanDuel. So as always, I will get to learn things. Oh, FanDuel's <laughs> worth that. You know, it's fun. <laughs> I use FanDuel a lot, actually. So it's fun. I like it. So let's... Great. <laughs> you'll learn. You'll learn. It's like sports betting, kind of fantasy sports betting. But oh, okay. yeah. So let's bring Joe right in and we can get yeah. going here. All right. Hey, Joe, how are you, buddy? Hey, guys. Hi. I am great. So, Joe, tell us who you are and what do you do for FanDuel? And for people that don't know FanDuel, what, what do you guys, what's FanDuel yeah, all about? Tell us what FanDuel is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, my name is Joe Marks. I'm a research analyst at FanDuel. And we're actually, we, we were, and I've been at FanDuel for a very long time. So, we were FanDuel originally, and now we are FanDuel Group. Oh, okay. And, Basically, just like an innovative sports tech entertainment company, like all of the above. And we kind of changed the way consumers engage with their favorite sports teams, leagues. But kind of getting a little more granular, we're like the premier gaming destination, let's call it, in the United States. So we consist of a portfolio of brands that cover sports betting, daily fantasy sports, TV and media, and casino. So... Daily fantasy sports, Crystal, just so you know, is a little bit different than sports betting. It's right. <laughs> like the, the typical season long where you you draft a team and then okay. however, however the players do in their games, you accumulate points. And based on those points, you in, in the season long sense, you win a game and then at the end of the season, you win the big pot. But I think Dan made me do this one time. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she year, last year, but I think she fizzled out. Did you, you win? <laughs> no, I just abandoned it. I totally oh. forgot my login and everything. <laughs> the season long one. But yeah, so daily, it literally is a daily format where you play every day. And if your oh. team does really well, you can win a lot of money. Fun. Yeah, no, it's fun. I like the GPPs, but that's just me, so. But yeah, so at FanDuel, I, I work on the Branded Insights team, basically run studies, analyze data, and a huge, huge fan of Question Pro, as Dan will know. I've been working with you, I don't know, Dan, like it's seven It's been a long time, man. It's, yeah. I mean, it even goes prior to, prior to FanDuel, so yeah. it goes back, back away. Wow. Yeah. So, Joe, real high level, what sort of research, or what types of research do you do at FanDuel, or does FanDuel conduct, and maybe give us some background there? Yeah, sure. So uh, super high level, we definitely don't want to give out some secret sauce. No, no, we don't want you to do that either. (laughs) We do a lot of, we run a lot of longitudinal studies. So tracking user sentiment over time is a big, big thing here. And it really just helps us kind of keep a pulse on what's going on with our products, how our customers are feeling. And then just kind of like, yeah, just so just like a pulse, a real check-in that we could just keep tracking over time and comparing data. Right, right. And then... What what sort of like interesting studies have you run recently that come to mind with obviously without giving away any secrets oh, yeah, sure. or you know, trade secrets, but um, what sort of interesting things have you run lately? 
So this is a big question pro thing. So my team always teases me because I'm a sucker for max diffs. I like it. Big <laughs> sucker for max diffs. So, and I guess for most of this, Dan, I'm going to praise max diffs. Well, max diffs and short surveys are my big okay. thing. All right. I like it. I can, get, I, can get, I can get with that for sure. Because so like interesting study, it, I guess I literally try to put a max diff in, in most of my surveys and okay. It's just the, the idea that it just makes the surveys more concise, but like, again, centered around max diff. So it's just like the ability to select the two choices and then get all this extra data just like makes yep. me so happy. Joe, <laughs> <laughs> so I think you are like, you're literally like inspiring my like moderate disdain of research someday. Oh, <laughs> like, disdain. Like, no, you so talk funny. about it with all this love. And then yeah. I'm always like, oh my God, you guys, I don't understand. <laughs> Dan said Gen Pop earlier and I was like, I don't know what that is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're inspiring, Joe. Right. I can feel your love of research literally coming through the screen. See, that's amazing. <laughs> but so I'm just trying to think of anything. They're all interesting, but like, I guess offers too, is a big, big thing where it's like, if there's yeah. a specific offer that you may see when you go on the site, it's very cool to me to be able to present a respondent with a max diff with a bunch of different offers laid out. And instead of the respondent having to say like, oh, I'm going to rank this one and then this one and then this one, mm -hmm. it's very tedious where when you actually look at the question and you're like, oh, I just picked this one and this one. It, it's just, it's it's very exciting as a researcher to then go on the back end and all of that ranking is kind right. of for you. Right. No, I, I yeah. think I think you hit it right where you said it's it's easy for the respondent, but yet you get so much data in the back end that it makes it, you know, it's it's exciting, right? Have you tried anchored Max Diff yet? I was, I was just gonna say, quick question pro plug. It's amazing <laughs> okay, because yeah. then you get the importance layer laid on. Exactly. Yeah. Where I mean, I feel like and I'm not tooting my own horn here, but I feel like I did do that in previously, but just having that and that function out because then you have to like have the logic and yep. a bunch of other stuff. So just being able to click a button and have anchoring is amazing. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I think it, it really adds to the depth too of, of information that you can get. And yeah, these choices might be important, but how relative are they even important to the respondent? You really get that. So so that's good. Joe, kind of, you have a community, obviously, with, with us as well of FanDuel users. How has the community helped your research? It's been immensely helpful. So, again, praising short surveys here. Yeah. Just having the ability, because we work very fast here. I mean, I'm sure like other companies, but just having the ability to click a button, get on the community, and then create a short survey that we could send out. We could have data by the end of the day. It, so if, if a stakeholder the stakeholder has this burning question that they want to get out. It's been so helpful for the team because it's just like, yeah, no problem. I can write something up, send it out and get you an answer. It just, just that sheer ability is, I want to say life-changing, at least for me, because yeah. there used to be a lot of steps that we had to go through in order to actually get the correct sample that we want to get the survey out. Yeah. Life-changing. Well, that's good. I know it's real quick. Agile, I think, is a buzzword, right, that everybody uses. But I think that's definitely true. And then what sort of, in general, like research trends, what do you see coming up in the research world? Obviously, a lot has changed. I know the pandemic pushed a lot of researchers to do things that they normally didn't do, right? So kind of put them out of their comfort zone. 
But do you see like once, you know, getting out of the pandemic, hopefully, you know, sometime soon, someone told me that like Stephen Krauss, who's a frequent guest and on the clubhouse chatting with me, he said that, you know, he one of his podcast guests said that 2020 is going to be like an 18 month year, right? So if you do that, we're in, we're in month 15 of 2020, right? Yeah. So, but let's say 2020 is over in another three months, let's say going off this 18th month year calendar. What, what do you see? What trends are coming up in the research world? What do you think is, is going to be emerging? I'd love to get your thoughts on that. So I have, and I don't know about emerging, but my common theme here is that I think shorter surveys, at least for me and, and our company, are here to stay. Because yeah. I feel like a long, for a long time, we were trying to do these long, really researchy projects and studies Yeah, where I feel like now, and maybe it's the impact that the community has had and, and things that I've read about just people. And especially in the pandemic, it's like, if you have these short bite-sized things, you may be like, even someone that may not be interested in taking a survey, if something is really, really brief, succinct, I feel like it even makes sampling better that you get kind of respondents that you may not normally get. But yeah, shorter surveys are, are here to stay. I think that's the kind of trend that I started seeing and acted on, and I'm definitely going to keep doing going forward. Yeah, no, I, think now, that makes, you, I think that makes sense. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Crystal. No, I was going to ask, you said you made a comment about how the longer surveys felt more researchy, or at least felt to you like they were more researchy as the distributor. Yep. But to the respondents, either I would say that they don't notice it either way. It's like to them, it's like, oh, it's just a long survey. Do you think that that kind of like what we we're supposed to do in the research world kind of held people back from doing those shorter surveys? I do. So so like even when you actually like look at the fall off data where it's like you look at the someone that mm. clicks and starts taking and then you actually see it through and see the completion rate, then you're like, what, what is it? What's the, and like, sometimes, like sometimes for me, it's like, was it that ranking question? Like, I feel like lots of times if there's a, (laughs) if there's a poor completion rate, I really, that kind of bugs me that I'm just like, well, what, what was it? How could I kind of adapt and change to get that Mm -hmm. completion rate up? You know, I think, I think that's a good point. I think also the longer surveys, once you get towards the end, how much is that respondent still paying attention? Are they engaged? The shorter Mm -hmm. surveys, I think like, a lot of things in our society, you know, it's quick, it's instant, and it gets through. Adriel, it also speaks to what you were talking about, where sort of like the speed to insights, right? Like, how quickly can I get the data back? And the shorter surveys definitely help out with that, right? For sure. Not, not 10 to 12 minutes, but, you know, 5 to 10 minutes in, in that range, I think. definitely. And helps. it's not like the data is any more valuable in a longer, like, it's not like it's like, well, a longer survey is more researchy and the shorter ones are not. It's just like, they're the same questions. So it's not like the research is valued differently. Sure. But also for me, and as Dan mentioned earlier, we were working together when I used to work for a slot machine company before Vandal. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, and it's just (laughs) when you you tailor the survey to the audience, especially now that if the core group is generally males, it's just interesting when you're able to create that kind of survey and like kind of create a rapport and a relationship with them just through your questions where it's just like, yeah, I guess like just tailoring it that way, having it short being like, Hey, take this quick survey. It'll really help us out. Like that's been something that I've also been interested in and and trying to like impact with is just like try to make this as not researchy as possible and 
the completion rate kind of goes up. Yeah. You're right. kind of being more authentic. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. I love that. That's good. That's good. And then Joe, I have a couple of questions. Just, I'm just curious. What, what percentage of FanDuel players are male versus female? Is it heavily skews male or is it, you have some, what, what percentage is female that you guys know of? Off the top of my head. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm just curious. Definitely skews heavily male. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> in, in, the, in the research that you do, are you mainly, are you targeting more like advanced Vandal users or intermediate? What sort of, or does it run the gamut just depending on the types of studies? Gen pop. Gen pop. Gen pop. <laughs> I was thinking it means general population. There you go. There you go. See, but then I was like, go. we're not talking. Never mind what I thought in my head. <laughs> it's probably not. <laughs> it's like, so just uh, pop in, huh? yeah. Okay. Most part, yeah. Oh, got it. Well, there's a few things, Joe, that after this, let's connect. I think I can help you out with even getting data quicker with some of the instant answer product that we have. And then also. So fun, Joe. Yeah, it's really fun. I'll show you that <laughs> in another. I think you know, I'll, I'll definitely go over that with you. And then I want to show you this new live cast question type as well that we have. So cool. Yeah. So fun, fun. That's more on the qualitative side, but I think it might be interesting for some of the work that you do. Is that going to be another tool that I'm going to be obsessed with like max diff? <laughs> Probably. I don't know if it'll reach max diff status, but it'll get close. You know, I'm I mean, obsessed with instant answers. I used it. I fielded a question on what kind of mattress I should buy this week. Yeah, it's quick. It's quick. That's that's incredible. Well, I yeah. mean, conjoint too. Conjoints were were my first love, and then max diffs has usurped them. Yeah, I I agree with that. Max diffs are easy, right? And you get the data, like you said, is so rich. Uh, it makes it really, really impactful. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, Joe, thanks so much for joining the show today, and appreciate your time. And we'll definitely be in touch. Appreciate it. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. All right. See you, man. Talk Bye. to you later. Bye. I wanted to be like my favorite question type is multiple choice. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't want to be like that. Come on. <laughs> I know I'm not allowed anymore. But for everyone watching in the comments, I did put our blog posts explaining anchored max diff in case you were wondering about it. We did a webinar about it. We have a blog post about it and you can find it in the app now. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, there's, we have a few more things coming up, Crystal. So let's get to it here. I have, let's get to it. there's going to be an Easter quiz slash survey that we'll see if you know the answers to. Okay. Oh, is this another one of those where I don't <laughs> know the options? No, no, you, you will. No, at least you'll know the options and you'll get what most of the, what people have said too. So great. But first, I want to go as seen on Twitter. So this, if you can read it, I think you should be able to. Just, yes, so I'm just I'll wondering. go over this. So this, <laughs> what I like is the comment that Adam mentioned here. Uh, 1,200 years of data is such a flex. I thought that was made me laugh. But this is around cherry blossom dates in Japan going back to 812 AD. So more than 100 crazy of data, right? So... I just like that he said 1,200 years of data is such a flex. I thought that was fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And then yeah. what's the, is it the first bloom or yeah, peak Yeah, so this bloom? is the peak, peak bloom on March 26th was the earliest ever recorded. So this is kind of going along with climate change and, you know, the cherry blossoms are. Yeah, that's what I was curious about. Yeah. So pretty interesting wow. that they have that, you know, going back that far. But. That is a flex and it's super cool. Right. 
right? That's what yeah. I thought. Too. So awesome. let's see I what else that. we got here. And then, yeah, so like, we started out the first episode with what the name of research. Figured we had to bring it back for this one here. So this one I thought was interesting because, you know, the scale was obviously off. <laughs> and, you know, how easy was your whole order process? A zero was no way. A five was you bet. <laughs> I have no idea what this means. This is not how you want want to do it. So I, I think are we ordering again? <laughs> I don't know what we're doing here. The whole order process was either no way or you bet. So don't do this. Like, you know, go easy, very easy, not easy, you know. Use a standard five point scale here. Is, is oh. Okay. Man. Now I want to show you. So this picture is of the world's largest Easter egg, okay? So okay. Just, just remember this one, okay? Because it's gonna come up in a question here in a minute. And I just wanted to have you see it, what the respondents saw when they answered the question, okay? All right. Okay, yep, right. I'm ready. Tracking? All right, <laughs> here we go. Let me get this like, set up here. And it kind of looked like a mind trick. Oh yeah, it kind of does actually, you're right, you're right. Okay, so let's go over this data here. I will, you'll actually get what the respondents answered. So we fielded this study using our panel that we have. And so you'll get the benefit of like asking the audience. If you remember, like who wants to be a millionaire? You know, they asked the audience. So right. what was the first Easter, Easter basket supposed to resemble? Is it a bird's nest, a flower pot, or a fruit basket? I'm assuming it's supposed to be a bird's nest, but my gut says it's a fruit basket. Are you going to go with the audience here? No, I'm going to go with fruit basket. Ooh, it's actually uh, a, bird, it's a bird's nest. So. Uh, I was thinking like it might have been like something to like offer to the gods, but that doesn't make sense because Easter is <laughs> a Christian holiday. I take it back. <laughs> well, you know, I kind of thought about this too, and I thought, well... What do you most, what do you commonly find in an Easter basket? Snacks. Eggs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like how much snacks. Snacks? Yeah, yeah, I guess there are snacks. <laughs> okay, uh, next one. What is an Easter egg supposed to symbolize? Oh, God. Is it fertility, hope, rebirth? I'm going to go with the audience on this one. Rebirth. You, you are correct. Rebirth is the correct right. answer here. All right. All right. Approximately how many chocolate Easter bunnies are produced each year? Is it 90 million, 60 million, 30 million? So for the audience, pretty close between 60 and 90, yeah. 42%, 41%. You know, it's a 30 million, 30 million difference. I'm going to say 90 because consumerism. <laughs> you would be correct at 90 million. <laughs> I was like, people do love their Easter candy. They do. They do. All right. Oh. So marsh, marshmallow peeps. All right. I They're think so you, weird. Yeah, they are. I agree with that. <laughs> are sold based on sales. Which color of peeps are most popular? Probably yellow. The like original. Yellow's I'll go to go with yellow. Yellow's the correct answer. We had a we did an Easter egg hunt one time, and a squirrel like popped open one of the fake Easter eggs and ate a peep, and then he we found him dead later. Well, that's not good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like mowing, I, and I was like, "There he is." <laughs> I usually find Easter eggs that we we didn't find. You know, like I'll find them later on that are just oh yeah, 
we always always found them because our grandma would put money in some of them oh, so you could gotta, never risk <laughs> you could never risk not finding it yeah you gotta find those quarters and change you oh no yeah. she put a 20 in one of them Whoa. and that was like we would go as fast as we could into that yard looking for those yeah. That's interesting. Huh? Uh, I would definitely okay. definitely look for the twenty dollar bill. Right? No. <laughs> All right. So, where did the tradition of the Easter Bunny originate? Was it Queen Victoria shared it, a marketing ploy by a French department store, or among German Lutherans? People were really co- like confident in the German Lutherans. Yeah, almost fifty percent said that. It's kind of well. Marketing ploy by a French department store was the second one. And then Queen Victoria was the last, the 22%. Yeah. I mean, the insides of me in my advertising degree want to say department store, because that's where we got like, don't mess with Texas and like blondes have Mm -hmm. more fun. We're all just like advertising campaigns turned like national treasures. (laughs) But I'm going to go with the populace on this because that seems like an odd answer that I guess I just didn't know. And that is the correct answer. Yeah. The right. I was surprised. I didn't know this, actually. So I'm going to have to Google that later. Yeah. I'd like me some fun facts. Yeah, that's definitely a fun fact. (laughs) All right. Which meat is traditionally associated with Easter? Is it lamb, rabbit, or chicken? You didn't put ham on here? It wasn't wasn't the question. Did you write these or did you steal them from somewhere? (laughs) I will not reveal my first <laughs> I guess lamb. I mean, we ate ham, but I think that's because my mom wasn't very good at cooking lamb. No, but we, we ate ham too. So I think ham, I think ham is more like, but I think back, you know, this is going back in time. Oh, this too. is like vintage. Rabbit's good. I've eaten rabbit several times. Okay, let's go with lamb. Okay. Lamb is the correct answer. Okay. <laughs> All right. So remember that the, lamb of God thing, I guess. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I think I, I, I don't know. So, this, so remember that the picture that I showed you. Okay, so the respondent right. saw that picture. Canada. So in which country will you find that Easter egg? Is it the United States, Scotland, or Canada? It's the world's largest Easter egg. I would have said like Russia because I was like thinking like the zoop zoop zoops. The, the dolls things. No, but they have eggs too. Oh, they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Haven't you ever seen like a heist movie? <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> I'm going to say Scotland because Canada. Yeah. So Canada is the correct answer. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, it is Canada. So they're pretty cool. Mark said Scotland too. See, I stand by this. <laughs> I mean, you can, Data you point can, of two. Don't need a fact check. I don't know the validity, validity of this quiz that I found, but I'm where at sure, but in Canada? Can we go to it? I think it's yeah. I think it's in Alberta. Mm, okay. So you could go to it, but it might be a bit of a drive <laughs> or a flight. A, just a wee. Yeah. All right. So this is the last question. What do what? what do Australians use to symbolize Easter instead of a rabbit? Is it a koala, a bilby, or a kangaroo? That's so fun. So I don't know it, any of them I would be happy with besides a weird, besides a rabbit. You know, the Easter koala and the Easter kangaroo are there. So That's so cute. Or is it the bilby? I don't know what that is. What's it look like? Is it like a rabbit? <laughs> 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 Let's go with the bilby. 
The bilby is the correct answer. Oh. So it is a rabbit kind of like looking creature. Yeah. But there's, I guess there, I did, actually, I looked this up because I was curious myself. And there's only like six to 800 left, I think, in Australia. Oh. So it's kind of, uh, I, mean, I think that's what I saw on, on Google. So I know Google is always right. The lesser bilby became extinct and now only the greater bilby survives. See? So look it up. It's kind of interesting. But apparently <laughs> that's what they use to symbolize Easter instead of a rabbit. If it's so. Yeah. So then, what? Oh, no, nothing. I was just thinking about like a lucky rabbit's foot. And if that somehow derived from all of that, but that was just my brain. So that was the Easter, Easter trivia, Easter quest. I love that. That was fun trivia. So kind of interesting things. I tried to pick ones that maybe people didn't know, but actually our panel knew a lot of those answers. So they did. Yeah. They did. The quality of our panel is always more surprising than probably the things I know. <laughs> it's not just <laughs> like I would not, not be good at this. Not just Gen Pop either. No, not just Gen Pop. <laughs> <laughs> all right. With that, we'll see you all next week. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the MRX Influencers Podcast. If you want more information about Question Pro, go to questionpro.com. If you want to follow me, feel free to do so on LinkedIn or Twitter. Until next time, we'll see you later.